Listen up, real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and agents. You're in the right place. Unlocking the secrets to real estate investing and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Titanium Vault, hosted by RJ Bates III. Here's RJ. Hello and welcome to the Titanium Vault. I'm your host, RJ Bates. Today I'm sitting down with Holly McCann. Holly, how are you doing? Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're, uh, we're thrilled to have you on the show today. So why don't you take a second to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do in real estate. Well, I am a fix and flip investor and a landlord. And also I got my real estate license a few years ago. So I'm also a realtor. Fantastic. So what market are you in? I am in the very expensive market of Orange County, California. I live about one hour south of LA in a little beach town called Dana Point. And it was such a blessing that we got um, a home here to flip in Dana Point and decided to move into it and keep it ourselves. It feels like vacation all the time, except I work all the time. So I don't know if it matters or not. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, why don't we why don't we go back to the beginning? I like to to share everybody's stories and and hear how they got from point A to point Z. So um, let's let's go back to the beginning. How did you get your start in real estate? Well, um, I've been at it for ten years, and it's a kind of long and windy and twisty story that's kind of interesting. So I'll give you guys the the few minute version, <laughs> and just to give you guys background on myself, I used to be a CPA. I went to college and got an accounting degree and thought that's what I wanted to do. But when the most exciting part of my day would be to call Mr. Jones and say, hello, I'm missing five items of information to complete your tax return. He would give them to me and then the interaction was over. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm back having this relationship with my computer in a cubicle, not the life for me. I'm much more of a people person and I love to be a deal maker as many of us investors do. So um, after the five-year stint as an accountant CPA, I had met my husband during that time. I had four children over the course of eight years and was a stay-at-home mom, focusing on them exclusively, and I'm really glad I did that. We were fortunate enough that my husband, who worked for Home Builders, little teaser intro there, Home Builders, um, he could afford to support us comfortably. Well, while he was working for home builders, one day he came home and said, um, well, actually it was a dream or like a nighttime epiphany. And he woke up the next morning and said, oh my gosh, if I have bought that land that my boss didn't want out in Corona for people that know Southern California, know that's in the Inland Empire where home builders were just taking over, buying up all these dairy farms and building thousands of homes. He said, if I'd bought that land, we could have made $10 million. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I was back to my babies in the diapers, whatever, in one ear, out the other. Months later, he comes home and says, I got us a piece of land. I'm like, okay, tell me more. Well, I offered $2.5 million, 1% down. It's a lease option, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to get it entitled. So then, you know, I can flip it to a builder. Still, I'm like, and um, where are we getting 25 grand for an earnest money deposit, you know, for that option price? And he goes, oh, a HELOC. I'm like, mm, 
okay. You know, he was just doing one step at a time, which is also really careful. Uh, important piece of advice for investors is you take the first step and then you figure out what's next. Right. So that turned into a multi-year project. We made nowhere near close to $10 million, but he entitled it for 73 single family homes, flipped it to a builder after a couple of other builders had tried to um, pull the rug out from under us in escrow, which he was expecting. And my only part in that whole plan was to find financing. I did have to take it down to pay for it for $4.5 million. We got a loan for that much. And um, that, so that was my first financing search was a $4.5 million loan. And this is really not how most people get their start in real estate investing at all. But our first deal was a nice little two comma deal. He quit his job in 2006. And then we looked at each other like, okay, what do we do with this little chunk of money? We went to a mobile home investing seminar in San Diego. Weren't super up on the mobile home scene, but we learned uh, about house flipping. And even though we kind of knew about it, we're like, well, let's give this a shot. So we took a um, boot camp from a local guy named Bruce Norris out of Riverside, California. It's a few thousand bucks. And then we borrowed some hard money loans and started doing flips one at a time. So that, at that time, it was 2008. Banks were giving homes away in Southern California because all those homes that the builders built thousands of in the Inland Empire, mm -hmm. a lot of people could not afford their mortgages. The adjustable rate would you know, adjust up. People would lose it. They went to foreclosure. We ended up buying over 100 homes over the course of a few years, one at a time at auction. And that was our acquisition strategy. That was all great. And then we learned a lesson. Things can change. You've got to be flexible. <laughs> You've got to adapt. Big hedge funds moved in with hundreds of millions of dollars. And between us and we had um, gotten some investors in with us, we were playing with a few million dollars, not hundreds of millions. So my husband turned to me and said, you're friendly. You like to talk to people. Go network and find us some deals. So that's what I did. And my skill and my love of talking to people paid off. We bought over now probably 120 homes since that time from me networking with mostly realtors and some, you know, wholesalers or sometimes it's just a regular old person. And that's how I've acquired all of the last flips. So that's, that's kind of a long story, but that's what we've done. We've flipped probably about 220 homes to date. My husband didn't work for a company for 10 years than our own, and he went back to work for a big student housing developer a couple years ago. So I am the sole flipper now. He helps a little bit and consults on the complicated engineering because he's a civil engineer and structural things and the high-level contract stuff and the cosmetic stuff and running the jobs and bossing the contractors around. That is up to me, and I love it. So there you go. That's kind of our story i know it was long but a lot of um a lot of detail there i know yeah so you're you're absolutely right that is definitely not how most investors get their start um especially not on their first deal um that's extremely impressive though that you were able to to pull that off and and have you know that significant of a profit on your first deal um that's that's a really that's a really cool story 
Um, so now, you know, you guys are, are flipping houses. You, you talked about taking down hard money loans. Is that how you're financing most of your deals now is with hard money and private money? Yes, definitely. I always look for deals first and then I figure out how I'm going to finance it. So if I have a flip that's selling, did I have a lot of, you know, personal equity or cash in, I will maybe roll that into the new deal. But my favorite way is to get subject to financing or seller carry financing. There you go. Yeah. So I love it when the deal comes with the financing and I have little to no extra to deal with. Right. So for the people that don't understand what that means, let's talk about seller carry financing first. Um, sure. Explain that to the listeners. Sure. So seller carry, we'll give a little example. Say there is a house I wanted to buy for... I don't know, $100,000, which probably is not in California, but it could be maybe out in the Palm Springs area. We bought them that cheap before. And I would approach the seller and say, hey, I'd like to buy your house and I'd like to pay you $100,000 for it, but would you be willing to be the bank? So instead of me going to Chase Bank or Bank of America or a hard money lender to get a loan, I would ask Mr. Seller to finance it. And he could finance it in any way that we mutually agree upon. It could be at 0% interest for 30 years and set up the, you know, say it's worth 100 and I pay 100 for it. The value to me is in the financing, which maybe I'm getting a little deep again, but I'm willing to pay more and get cheap financing on a deal than I am to pay a lower price and have to go find the cash for it or get um, more expensive financing but we do a mortgage or um, a promissory note with a recorded deed. That's what we call it in California. And that guy can be you know, carrying the note for as long or as short as we agree upon. How often do you bring up that strategy to a seller? Is it every time you make an offer or is it just in particular situations? Um, I always, look for seller carry or subject to, which we haven't talked about, as a first option. I always look for that first. If it's um, a short sale or REO, that will not work. If it is a situation where, you know, well, let's just talk about subject to really yeah, quick. Subject to that. means I'm buying the home subject to the existing mortgage. So maybe that $100,000 house has an $80,000 mortgage from Chase Bank and I'll, or any bank, and I say, hey, I'd like to buy your $100,000 house from you. I'll give you you know, $20,000 plus take over your mortgage for $80,000 and you can be on your way and you get your cashed out equity either way, Mr. Seller. So why not leave the um, $80,000 mortgage in place and that way I'll give you hundred grand. But if I've got to cash you out, I'll offer you $85,000 cash if I need to you know, get my own financing. So I usually give them an either or um, two options, you know, I'll pay you cash or I'll offer you this price subject to. So only two. If you give them too many choices, it's too confusing. Right. And so, one, you know, I've had a couple of guests on that have talked about doing subject twos. And, and what I've found out is, is that everybody handles them a little bit differently. So what I'm curious to know is, is when you tell someone that you want to do subject to financing, do you give them a specific date in which you will tell them that you're going to pay off that existing mortgage? 
or do you just kind of leave it open-ended to where it could be play out the remaining term length? That is a great question. And my answer is it depends. I purchased a rental subject to a Wells Fargo mortgage a few years ago, and it was all facilitated through a wholesaler who was also a licensed real estate broker in California. And the poor um, seller didn't know what he was signing, even though he was represented by this realtor who double ended the deal. And he keeps asking me to pay it off. And when am I going to pay it off? And I say, I'm sorry, that was not, you know, the structure of the deal was all properly documented. So I'm letting that one ride because it's a really nice, low interest rate. It's a rental property out in the Palm Springs area. Right. But, um, you know, usually I'm doing it for flips. I'm not in the mode of acquiring rental properties right now in Southern California because our market is really high. It seems to still be going higher, but I'm not going to put any more ships in the water and hoping I'm going to get some more appreciation when that tide rises. I'm, you know, happy where we are. So on my flips, I will say I expect to pay off your mortgage within four to six months, you know, depending on how complicated the flip is. Right. And I will start paying you. Um, well, okay, that's for seller carry. Never mind. I'm getting too many things mixed up here. <laughs> but yeah, I'll tell them I fully expect to pay it off in four to six months. And I think we've even written in um, clauses where we will pay it off within 12 months if we haven't sold the house. Right. So yeah, when I do subject twos, Typically, we tell them 12 to 24 months um, because majority of the subject twos that we've done, and we have done them where we flip the properties, but majority of them have turned into to long-term rentals. Um, and so what we've done is, is you know, we, we kind of hold that existing mortgage for, you know, 24 months usually, and then we refinance out. And sometimes when we refinance, you know, we'll take a little bit of cash out um, or just refinance out what it, whatever you know is remaining on that balance of the existing mortgage and then we just put it in you know our own mortgage at that point in time that's enabled us to get more deals subject to um, I have had a guest on Jawad Dashti who he does this very often and he never tells them that he's going to pay it off he actually flat out tells them I'm going to keep it in this mortgage for the length of whatever remaining terms left, um, which I thought was incredible that he's been able to do that as many times as he has. Um, but he's utilized that to to grow his uh, rental portfolio. And so subject twos are, are a great um, strategy and, and a way to be creative with the financing. Um, just a little disclaimer for everybody out there. There are different laws per states for uh, subject to so definitely contact your local attorney and uh, make sure that you're doing it correctly for whatever state you're in um, but you know like holly said and she knows how to do them in california i do them in texas and uh they're they're great uh tools to have in your tool belt so that's that's really cool that you've been able to to do that um and it's also impressive that that's you know you're always giving multiple options with your offers do you see that that kind of gives you a leg up on competition because you're giving multiple ways to offer? That's a great question. And the last few homes I've offered on, I have been um, the only one offering. So 
it's easy when you're not competing. The choice is choice A with Holly or choice B with Holly. Right. Whereas otherwise, it's choice A Holly, choice B Holly, or choice C D E F G with all these other sellers. So, yeah, I think I think it's great. Um, so many people think they just want cash right now. So it's great to say, well, if you could wait a few months, I could give you a lot more money. <laughs> um, so uh, my next question I want to talk to you about, um, and and I bring this up because um, as a host of a podcast, I have to go out and I have to recruit talented investors to be guests. And, and one of the hardest things for me to do um, early on was to not just saturate my guest list with men. It, I found it difficult to find uh, female investors, especially like yourself, that are solo. I mean, yes, you started with your husband, but like you said, it's just Holly now. Um, let's talk about you being a, a, a solo female woman investor in a world that is mainly saturated with men. Um, do you do you find that gives you strength or it kind of makes you stand out from the rest of the crowd? Well, certainly I stand out, especially with my pink hard hat when people see that <laughs> on my business card, <laughs> which is just a marketing technique. I, you know, I like my nails to look nice. I'm not swinging a hammer. I'm not doing the demo, but um, <laughs> I will tiptoe around through job sites and through a mess. But anyway, yeah, it definitely is different and as a woman I come in definitely I'm sure you can tell I come in with confidence and strength if I came in to negotiate a deal with a seller or with a contractor or talk to a realtor and I was this little timid shy woman who I think I want to buy this but I'm not really sure like forget that nobody wants to do business with someone like that so ladies you got to step up and stand <laughs> out and be strong and confident. And men too, because I've met men who have, like a guy told me that once, well, I don't really get any, you know, success. I'm like, okay, can I give you some advice? Can you stand up, put your shoulders back, take a deep breath, you know? You've gotta come in with confidence, strength, and power. And with that, it probably doesn't matter if you're a male or female, people are going to listen to you, take notice of you, respect you and want to do business with you. Do you use it to your advantage at all to build rapport with motivated sellers? I ask that because I have a female partner and when we walk in the door, you know, sometimes it's easier for the sellers to talk to her than it is to talk to the big bearded guy who seems kind of standoffish and is very direct and black and white and to the point. Uh, they love talking to Cassie. They love building that rapport. Is that something that you use to your advantage or not really? Well, I definitely can show a lot of empathy, especially to sellers. I purchased a deal with Seller Carry last fall. And the seller was a man, basically, I'm a, I don't know if he's passed yet, but basically in his last year of life in a hospital bed, and I just said, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry for this situation you're in. And I meant it. And I do mean it. I never want to see anybody in pain or in bad situations. So I definitely express empathy and care and concern. And, I mean, I, a big bearded guy can do that, too. But it's a lot. <laughs> to, 
it's probably a lot easier to see coming from, you know, a mom of four and, oh, look at that sweet lady. She's so nice. And, you know, I get a lot of that. Oh, you're so nice. You're so nice. Except from my contractors. They don't think I'm so nice. So you got to choose your battles. <laughs> right. And, and I bring all this up because, you know, I since I've had the podcast, I have people reach out to me and and they want advice they want me to mentor them and and i see a lot of you know female investors tell me they have a hard time when they go to properties being respected or trusted that they can pull it off compared to a man and and i'm just thinking to myself that makes no sense to me like um to me i don't stand out from the crowd of you know especially here in dallas fort worth i mean if you send a, a postcard to a house you're probably one of a hundred postcards so if you actually convert that lead and you get an appointment you need to do something on that appointment to stand out and to me it's a lot harder for someone like myself just a a, a man you know to stand out compared to which you're probably going to be one of maybe just a couple of women that show up on these appointments. And I think that's a, a valuable asset to have. And, and I try to tell people here in Dallas for you, you know, I have Cassie, who's my partner, but Jamie Woolley is just crushing it out there. She does over a hundred deals a year and, it, and you know, she has built her whole business with mainly just women. And I think that's a, a great, uh, great idea that she has. And uh, she's been able to stand out that way. Uh, she has a very similar marketing strategy, though. She has the the pink logo, and she's got a little caricature. You know, you use your your pink hard hat, and I just think that's, you know, super intelligent to do. And it's just utilizing, you know, one thing that makes you unique from the majority of the crowd. So, yeah, you know, I just wanted to talk about that for a little bit because uh, anytime I see a, a strong woman who's running a business by herself. Uh, I think it's valuable to inspire other people out there that might have the same desire. So um, let's talk about, you know, kind of your branding and how you came up with that. And then also you have a podcast as well, which, by the way, here in the next couple of weeks, you're going to have quite possibly the best guest of all time. <laughs> of course, <laughs> with the best beard of all time. That's exactly. Sure. So let's talk about your podcast and kind of how you came up with your, your marketing with the pink hard hat and stuff like that. Well, the pink hard hat is kind of a funny story. I always wanted, of course, to stand out and... I got it because I saw another lady, an entirely different business line, nothing to do with real estate investing. She was like a oh, something like girlfriend's guide to home repair or something. And anyway, not related to real estate investing at all. So I got myself a pink hard hat, which, you know, on Amazon, it was an $8 investment, I think, at the time. <laughs> and get this, everyone. I went to a realtor women's networking annual tea party. They had about 200 realtors at this um, Women Council of Realtors event. And I went not because I was a realtor, but because I'm an investor. And one of my friends had told me about it. And you're supposed to wear a fancy hat with like flowers and ribbons and stuff on it. Well, guess what kind of hat I wore? <laughs> I wore my pink hard hat. And people did not say like, why do you have a hard hat? What's with that? And I mostly just carried it. I didn't wear it. I didn't want to ruin the the theme of the pretty hats at the tea party. But all those realtors had asked me about, I'm like, well, I'm looking for houses to flip. I'm a fix and flip investor. It just opened the door there. 
Absolutely. So after that and a couple more times when I would carry it around with me to different networking events, I started being known as the lady with the pink hard hat. Oh, are you the lady with the pink hard hat? I'm like, well, yes, I am. So it kind of became my brand unintentionally, but it has served me really well. So now I'm hard hat Holly and I'm hard hat Holly on Facebook. People know me for that. They remember I'm the lady that flips. And I tell you, when I do photos on Facebook or videos on Facebook and I'm wearing that pink hard hat, it t- gets people to notice and pay attention. And I will, I will tell you one more thing. I had a gentleman who I spoke to a few years ago. He wanted to invest with us, and he never did. He had like I don't, it wasn't even a big amount of money or anything, and I didn't really stay in touch with him. But he got in touch with me uh, last fall and said, "Hey, I see all your videos on Facebook, and I know you know what you're doing. So would you buy my uncle's house?" Well, yes, I would. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so it really. I mean, that pink hard hat and those videos that hopefully stop the scroll, they get people's attention and it shows me as an expert. So, I mean, another lesson for people to listen to is try and put videos out there and photos out there so people think of you, you stay top of mind. And when their uncle needs to sell his house, hopefully you're the one they call. Absolutely. So the Kentucky Kentucky Derby is uh, this weekend. It's this Saturday. And, you know, the Kentucky Derby is famous for the, the ladies coming and they wear their <laughs> fancy hats. So yes. if you ever go to the Kentucky Derby, are you going to, like, doll up the pink hard hat? Is that going to be your Kentucky Derby hat? I don't know that I'll ever be at the Kentucky Derby, but I'll definitely <laughs> take that under consideration, RJ, and I'll let you know if I do. <laughs> uh, I'm a huge horse racing fan, so I just had to throw that out there. So uh, what's the name of your podcast for everybody that wants to check in to that? Secrets to Real Estate Investing, and you can probably, you can also find it at hardhatholly.com. You'll see a link to it there. There you go. So uh, aside from that, let's get back to real estate investing. Uh, enough about marketing and the, the pink hard hats and the big beards and stuff like that that we do <laughs> to stand out. Um, where's your business at today, and, and where do you want to take it moving forward in the future? Are you still doing rehabs? Are you trying to build a rental portfolio or or what's your goals moving forward? Great question. I have a rental portfolio that was built up of some accidental rentals and some intentional. Um, We purchased a few during the um, auction years where my husband would knock on the door and say, hello, ma'am, I just bought your house at auction. And they'd say, oh, can we stay and rent? And sometimes those rental numbers were so good. Like, okay, sure. And all those homes have at least doubled in value, if not higher, since we bought them. So that's been a nice little thing going. I think I've got about 12 to 15 um, doors and tenants going, and I self-manage those. But, you know, once you get your tenants um, well-trained, it doesn't have to be that much work. So I've only got one naughty behind in his payments (laughs) child. You know, it seems like I always have one that is just that stress on me. Um, So going forward, I want to continue the flipping, the rehabbing. I think that's really fun. I've got eight going now in various stages, which is about the right amount for me to handle. If I get more than that, I'm going to need more help, which would be fine. So keep flipping all the time. Um, I love that. And keep the rental portfolio going. May sell that off is my guru um, that I follow. Bruce Norris predicts the Southern California market. When he says sell, I may sell. Who knows? Maybe I'll go to Texas with my money or something. (laughs) Uh 
maybe. I might have to convince you to go to Hawaii with me. Okay. That's my new. That's my new obsession is Hawaii. So I might. I might take you out there with me. Yeah, that would be okay. The weather's okay there too. Besides here in California. Right. And um, I love helping other people, mentoring them, developing my little coaching program to teach other people, especially ladies, how to achieve financial freedom and independence through real estate investing. And there's so many different options. You know, I love to teach people the flipping, the rentals. Um, my largest multifamily is just a fourplex at this point. I haven't gotten too big into that, but I may go in that direction as well. So with all that being said, what is what is your why? What's your driving force behind continuing to try to build your business? Well, my Im more immediate why is to you know build a net worth of a certain amount. So then I know that um, my family and I are just taken care of. Paying for college for four kids was a big why for me. I thought I was done until my now senior decided he wanted to go to Stanford and he got in with a special track throwing skill called the hammer. So yay, he got in and wow, that's a big um, tuition bill. For those of you with young children that might have um, your eyes set on Stanford, the cost for Stanford next year is $70,100 estimated. So mm. keep that in mind. But yeah, I got two more kids to pay for college for and just want to build up that net worth. And then I love helping and teaching people. So I do what I do and always learn and love to share it with others to help others get their financial freedom and their whys achieved. So let's talk about that coaching and helping other people. Is that a current program that you have available for people or is that something under development? It's under development, launching this summer, trying to get my right team in place. But yeah, I like you have people reaching out, asking for help and I love it. We just have to put it together in an organized fashion. I also have um, a Facebook group that has some people um, interacting. Holly was at Hard Hat Holly's real estate investing team. So you can go join that private Facebook group, you and your listeners. If you guys want to network with people in there, ask questions. I do um, little Facebook live trainings where I'll talk about the challenges and how I overcome them in my business right now. Because I don't know about you, RJ, but I'm hitting challenges all the time. I hit yes. challenges and problems, and I tell people what I'm coming across and how I'm overcoming it. And I love learning from other people that are doing that, too. It's not all roses and rainbows, as people say. There's challenges, you know. So I love to share what they are and help people understand that there's always a solution. Absolutely. And and. I want to touch base on a couple of things that you just talked there. You know, you and I both have mentioned in this interview that we have people reaching out to us, asking for advice, figuring out how they can get start. They want us to be a mentor. And I think you would echo what I'm about to say. At the end of the day, we can give you advice. We can give you the tools to be successful, but what really is going to make you successful is to go out and take action. Go make offers, go knock on doors, get out there and get that experience for yourself. Because no matter what I say, no matter what Holly says, and and trust me, Holly's been, you know, you've had your podcast for what, two years? Yep, two um, years. This is episode 38. So between the two of us, we have like 120, 130 episodes of talking about real estate investing. There's 
thousands of others of podcast episodes out there. It doesn't matter. You can analysis paralysis by trying to make sure that you're going to be perfect. And just like Holly said, even after 10 years of doing this, she still has challenges. She's still trying to figure out how to do things better and more efficiently. So you're never going to be perfect in this business, but go out and take action. That's the best course of advice anybody could give you. So Amen, just, wanted to, brother. <laughs> just wanted to throw that out there because I, I get asked all the time, RJ, what are you doing? And I'm like, the only thing I'm doing differently than you is I'm taking action. I'm making offers. That's the only difference. Yeah. Um, so um, with that being said, for the listeners who want to reach out and contact you, what is the best way they can reach you? They can reach me at hardhatholly.com. They can, you know, just go right through the contact form right there and reach me that way. And I've also got, in my opinion, a great free download of ways to find deals because that's something I get asked the most is how do you find deals? How do you find deals? And I've bought most of mine now, um, you know, not at auction, that I've bought through networking. So I give you my networking ideas and don't be afraid to tell people what you're looking for. You never know who's going to know someone and incentivize them. Hey, if you help me find a house to buy, I'll give you at least 500 bucks or a thousand bucks, you know, depending on your market. So that way there's something in it for them to help you find houses. Awesome. So one of the best things about being a podcast host and having another podcast host on your show is that you can reverse the questions that they <laughs> asked you on their podcast. Uh -oh. So my what last question you? to Holly <laughs> is something that apparently she asks everybody. And so I have to ask you because I don't know if anyone's ever asked you before. What is the worst deal that you've ever done? Oh, I should have been prepared for that because we've had a lot of bad deals. <laughs> okay, I will reveal. Boy, I've got two that are closing um, this first half of the year that have been hanging around me for a long time. This one's kind of interesting. So I'll tell you this one. In Palm Springs, we purchased a second home vacation snowbird type condo three and a half years ago to flip. Here we go, guys. Full disclosure, the dirty, dirty laundry's out there. <laughs> and um, we thought we bought it right. I think we paid $360 for it. And we thought it would sell for $600 at the time. Um, the thing that hit us on this one is all the Canadians left town a couple of years ago. And they comprised 40% of the demand and the buyers for that second uh, second home market. The Canadians would come down and hang out in Palm Springs for January, February, March every year. We did three total units in that high-end country club condo complex, but this one just didn't did not want to sell. It had a decent view, but it was facing the wrong direction. People went facing south. This one was facing north. So long story short, um, husband ran that rehab. He no longer runs the rehabs. Um, we way overspent association dues of $1,100 per month, um, kind of kills you in three and a half years. I think my total net loss on that thing is going to be 150 grand. But um, hey, you know, I just finish it up and you just move on. You can't sit and cry about it. 
you just got to move on. And um, definitely there's a lot of things my husband and I did wrong on that. But thankfully, most of the deals are not like that. So there's a big dog of a deal right there. Held it way too long, didn't sell it, should have dropped the price sooner. Oh, we sold it for... 480 and we thought we'd sell it for 600 mm. okay so for everyone who's listening and they're like rj what's wrong with you why would you end this interview on a negative <laughs> note i'm not ending this interview on a negative note i'm i'm bringing this up at this point in time for anyone out there to realize that i've had terrible deals holly's had terrible deals but we're still here and we're successful in this industry because we did not let those bad deals dictate dictate our future we continue to make offers we continue to take down more deals and the good deals outweighed those bad deals and so often i've seen people go out and they've let one bad deal ruin their business just because they made the choice and they allowed it to enter their mindset on i'm not supposed to do this this is not what i was meant to do and they just let it cripple them you're not going to let that happen to you. I'm not going to let that happen to me. So if you're currently in a bad deal, push through, find a way to get through it and move on to the next deal and recover from it. Amen so, to that. That's a great one. And then there you go. I would love to just talk about a really good deal I just did recently. Is that okay? There you go. Okay. You can talk about a really good deal now. <laughs> well, and you know what? The, the real benefit of that first really crap, that one deal I just told you was that was our first subject to reverse mortgage deal. So we figured out how to deal with that in the paperwork. And guess what? On a reverse mortgage, you don't make monthly payments. It just accrues to the mortgage balance. So we've yep. done three or four of those since that one. So that was a good little, hey, maybe we can do subject too. Like, so, you know, open the door for other better deals. But one of my good ones was a seller carry last fall, purchased it for 220 with $10,000 down no realtor involved. I spent probably $50,000 improving it. So that my cost basis was up to about 270, flipped it for 360 in the short time of four months. So what did I, I'm trying to like do the math here because I don't have my QuickBooks <laughs> up. So 350, uh, probably 345 from 270. So I probably made like $75,000 on 10,000 in plus, you know, I had to pay my rehab, but you figure that out over, you know, since that was a four month time period, if you annualize that return, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, it's like off the charts. I made over a hundred percent return annualized. What's that? A 300% annualized return. So yeah. there's really good deals out there still too, guys. So don't right. think, um, I mean, anything's possible. And that and was just the first number the- I threw out. And you're in one of the hardest markets to find deals with with those kind of margins. And so the other part of it is, is if you're in a market where you feel like those deals don't exist, well, they do. Um, You just have to keep working and and finding those. Like you said, now your main way of finding properties is by networking and getting out there and letting people know what you do. And you literally got a deal from a Facebook video because of a pink hard hat. And a guy saw it and he realized his uncle needed to sell you his house. I mean, it's amazing the different ways that you can acquire properties nowadays. Uh, I talk about it all the time with the power of social media. So get out there, get yourself on social media, 
and make yourself stand out. So Holly, thank you so much for sharing everything that you shared today. Um, just incredible stuff. Uh, for everyone that's listening, go check out her podcast. Go to hardhatholly.com <laughs> and uh, learn more about her business. And thank you so much, Holly. Thank you so much for having me. Guys, get out there. Take some action. Go, go for it. Do it, do it, do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Holly. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to the Titanium Vault with your host, RJ Bates III. For more info and to stay up to date, visit www.podcast.thetitaniumvault.com and on facebook.com slash thetitaniumvault. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time on the Titanium Vault. <laughs>